we come into this world alone and we leave this world alone and that might sound really sad and like oh god that's miserable but actually it's quite beautiful if you break that apart hi i'm brooke Melhouse. welcome to disabled and proud the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin each week the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability why they're proud to be disabled and why they're proud to be themselves so, Samantha, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you this morning? Oh, good morning. Well, we've just had a good old long chin wag. I've kind of aired all my all my woes to you already. I bet you wish you would have recorded all of that beforehand. But I'm okay. I was just saying that obviously, you know, it's the day before my book launch. Everything's just been, it's just been in a nice way, hectic. Yeah. Really, really hectic. Um, but I think it's just I don't know when you're not used to that it's kind of managing your managing yourself and managing your health needs and managing your time and not trying to get burnt out but then equally being like you know the business savvy person that I am going this is a great opportunity just say yes to everything and then equally you know sitting there at night and going like oh it's trying to be like at 100% all the time without doing that whole burnout thing isn't it yeah it's so difficult and and you you know you kind of just want to say just give it a good you know do a push give it a push yeah but I think I've learned over the years I mean I have been doing this for you know kind of a good 10 years I suppose obviously not to this success level but I've definitely been chipping away at the industry for a good decade since moving to London and um and I think I've gotten better I'm still not very good at setting boundaries Mm -hmm. I'm definitely a people person so I I have that inner voice that says like me you know so yes say yes to things however I think I think I am being more articulate which is great and I'm and I'm I'm saying that you know this isn't this isn't right for me or I'm absolutely exhausted or this that and the other however I feel like when I do it I do it in a too much of an aggressive way like I get a little bit like arsy with people (laughs) like and I'm like no smart well that's not the right approach and I think what it is you know when you when you work in disability in a consultancy or a training way you know you're you spend your days educating and it's and it and it's and it and that can be tiring because part of you has these eureka moments where people really get it and like they're, they're they're you know really really good at being allies and they're definitely there not because you know they they've been dragged there by their team leader you know like you're not a box ticking exercise so you have these amazing moments of like yeah we're we're definitely seeing this cultural shift that we so desperately need and then on the flip side you know you'll get like a member of your team or someone you know that you're working with that completely doesn't think about your needs or or you know it's completely has got their own agenda um, and then you're like, what do I, have I not told you that, you know, my PA only works these days or have I not told you that, you know, working remotely would be much more beneficial to me. I don't know how many times I need to articulate that. And I think, I think the way, because I, I now get a little bit snappy because I spend so much time educating. I'm like, has the message not gotten through to you all yet? Like how much, how much more do, do we need to kind of, you know, like, how much more do I need to tell you what my needs are? So I think it's, I think it's just that constant battle of don't assume that people understand disability. Don't assume 
that they necessarily will make it priority because look particularly in the creative industry you know it's a savage world it's a yeah. savage world people make money off you you know and they've got their agenda so it's again it's about it's about safeguarding your own needs whilst also not burning bridges with people and you know um kind of educating them in maybe not a an aggressive way as I'm doing at the moment sometimes so yeah that's where I am um but hey I I mean because uh, I'm a wheelchair user I've got a condition I was born with a genetic condition called osteogenesis imperfecta um more commonly known as brittle bone condition um so basically I don't have type 1 collagen in my bones uh-huh. uh, well in my body at, at all and obviously collagen um, it, it helps for strength, it helps for dur- durability. Um, so I don't have that type one collagen. So basically it means that my my joints are very wobbly. Um, I know, right? I know. Um, it's quite good in the bedroom, to be quite honest with you. I, it's, it's, I know, right? Um, although, although, although you can still be careful because you've got that balance of you're bendy, but bend too much and there'll be a snap. I was literally about to say, like, at what point do you snap? Like, yeah, I know, I know, right? So, um, um, but uh, like, oddly, collagen is in your hair, it's in your nails, it's in your skin. But I've always had incredibly like strong hair and nails, so I think that's my good genes yeah, kind of overriding, genes. overriding my you know genetic mutation. They're kind of in in flux with one another. They're battling yeah. one another. <laughs> Sorry, so, I do ramble a lot. Don't, I, I love it. I love it. I'm so glad that you've come with like such good energy, like such good high vibe energy. And I love that. And it's so interesting what you were saying about being like slightly aggressive, because I get that quite a lot as well as a B, like you can be really aggressive. Mm. And I, I always put it down to the fact that every day at some point in the day, I'll probably have to fight for something that I need. Yeah. And like, it's, it's a natural instinct now. Like I was born disabled, like I don't know any different. So I've always had to fight for something that I've needed. Yeah. And if that comes across in like my day-to-day life, then like, it's just a natural instinct for me yeah. because I have had to fight for the things that I've needed and wanted Absolutely. and the things that I go after. And like, I do have to work 10 times harder than your able-bodied average Joe mm-hmm. to get the same things that they would get or, you know, yeah. the success that they would deem as success. I mean, so I wrote recently for the Metro, because obviously I write in the Metro, I wrote about, about you know, allyship and, you know, how to avoid performative allyship and, yeah. you know, like calling out, calling out kind of um, discrimination, even if you're not, even if you don't know anyone disabled or you're not with your disabled friends or colleagues or, or whatever, you know, kind of like recognise some of the barriers. And, and I think what annoys me most is because, and you'll probably get the same, you know, we get a lot of intrusive questions. We get a lot of kind of microaggressions. We get a lot of like random stuff just thrown at us all the time. Yeah. And I, I get a lot because I work in the industry and because I work in the training side of things as well. You know, I get the whole question like, but it's getting better though, isn't it? It's definitely getting better. Like, do you think it's getting better? And I'm like, well, on what on what level? Like, if you yeah. say it's getting better than 10 years ago, then I should bloody hope so because everything in life is better than 10 years ago, yeah. you know, or 50 years ago. Like, we shouldn't put a, a benchmark on disability and go, well, you know, 50 years ago, you would have been in an institution. So, you know, count your lucky stars. Yes. It's like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not marking the the way, you know, disabled people have become assimilated into society by 10 years ago, two years ago, like we shouldn't be doing that. We should be looking at people as people and go, okay, 
would any other member of society be refused access to a shop or be refused access to higher learning or not be able to go on a flight because they can't because of their wheelchair you know what I mean like why like like if you look at it like that and, and the problem is we are inherently told not to kind of pit one minority group off from another like you know it's not like it shouldn't be a competition it shouldn't be like a game of top trumps like oh well you've got marriage equality but we haven't I win you know like it shouldn't be that victim that victim kind of um uh game but sometimes I do think well maybe we should maybe we should be like well what other member of society would be turned away because they're told they're a fire risk yeah you know you wouldn't if you had a, a, a black, Asian, gay, trans person be turned away, and I'm sure they, I'm sure in some sections they probably there are moments when this happens, but maybe not as overtly as turning a wheelchair user away because the the lift is broken or because the accessible bathroom is is flooded or whatever. You know, you just wouldn't get it. And it's so interesting that you talk about the training aspects. I was about to ask, how has like your disability and being a disabled woman, how has that impacted your career? Because obviously you work in the creative space and you train in the creative space. And I was wondering, how did that all come about? How did that manifest? And how how do you navigate that now? Yeah. So I moved to London um, 10 years ago. I trained as a language teacher. And then I worked in a school predominantly with um, children with varied uh, different um, cognitive and behavioral um, conditions um, and then also I was doing the odd French and German German um, classes and I was doing that because um, I was kind of misled by the workplace where I work because I obviously wanted to carry on with my teaching and I loved the school and it was accessible and um, and they were like oh my god there's it, like you know if you were to just do this kind of other role for a year um then you know next year you can apply for one of the language roles Uh language teachers and I was like brilliant because I also want to work with children with complex needs so that was like amazing to be in that environment and learn from that but then they were like yeah but can you like cover can you come and cover some classes I was like I'm not getting paid but of course I'll say yes to everything as you do when you're fresh out of university you want to please everybody um and again I think this is you know how disabled people are as well we um we we kind of overcompensate because we've got this internalized feelings constantly you know that we need to like better ourselves or like you said work harder so I, I think I was taken a little bit for a mug to be quite honest with you uh-huh. um among the you know after a year of working of working there they were like oh no the position isn't available anymore so I was like so anyway so I, I was like sod this I left I know there was all there was all sorts of other things that happened. I, I was I was often infantilized at the school. Like the, the teach some of the teachers wouldn't call me Miss Rank. They would call me Sam in front of the other kids. Just just this like daily crap. Anyhow, I better not talk too much because you know I don't want to, you know, get get a get a get a lawsuit. But but ultimately I was like, sod it. I'm um I need a change. So I moved to London, I quit my job. I moved to London and I worked in the charity sector because I was a I was a trustee for the Brittle Bone Society. Yeah. So I, I loved it and I loved I loved how I had become involved with disabled people and because that was quite a new concept for me, you know, being the only disabled kid at school and yeah. you know in, yeah. in in my hometown, so to speak. And um and I even struggled with that because you know just even just applying for jobs, you know, I'd rock up to jobs in London 
and they wouldn't have step free access, even though I'd called ahead. Or yeah. I, I remember one time I went to an interview and the lift was broken and I was hemorrhaging money because I couldn't get transport. I, you know, I didn't have a PA, didn't have a PA at the time. I was taking taxis everywhere, which were fully accessible. And I, and I, and I feel like I was really kind of just like defeated. And then, um, well, the story, the story I write is in my book, which is out tomorrow. So I'm not going to tell too much, but <laughs> something, ha- something happens that skyrocketed me into the world of um, film and television. Yeah. And I kind of fell into that. But I think a turning point for me and how I, I guess, got more into my campaigning and activism was when I I got the part for the Maltesers advert, which a lot of people know. It's a very well-known chocolate commercial. And it was a it was a great opportunity. It was a turning point for me, you know, as a creative. Um, it was the first time I got paid, you know, like good money. Um, and but then I what what also followed was, you know, a lot of um online hate and trolling yeah. and like to a point where it was to a point where it was just heartbreaking because naively sadly to say naively I'd always kind of like surrounded myself with people that just love me and yeah. so all of a sudden you know all of a sudden having people hate on me was like wow and not just hate on me it was like savage and especially you know? like and, from um, nowhere like people yeah, don't know from nowhere. nowhere yeah absolutely and I wasn't you know beforehand I wasn't really um I wasn't really like prevalent online so I wasn't in that world really and again you know don't get me wrong I got bullied at school now and again but to be quite honest with you I gave as good as I got like you know what I mean I was quite savvy like I've never I never really felt like everyone thought I was quite cool and I've always had friends and I've always had good girlfriends you know even at university I was relatively popular you know what I mean so it was just a bit like whoa people hate disabled people like it was a bit like freaking hell you know so anyway, you have to get the book um, to read more about that. But um, what was your question? Where were you going to? Oh, yes. Yeah, so, um, yeah. So obviously, I got like trolled, and it impacted my mental health for quite some time. Yeah. And then all, and it, it actually stopped me taking a lot of TV role. Like you know, people would ask me to go and tell you, and I would say no because I was so worried about the abuse that I'd get afterwards. Yeah. And it really hit, you know, it really impacted me, and I slipped into a, a bit of a depression. I do battle with um, mental health, um, and it was a real trigger for me. And then all of a sudden, I, I was like, pack it in, Sam. You know, like be proactive. Yeah. And I wrote about it for the Huffington Post. I wrote about the experience. Yeah. And. I feel like I was the, one of the first disabled people to write about the abuse they faced online yeah. and in, on on such a uh, on such a, a wide publication like the Huffington Post. You know, I'm not saying that other people haven't didn't write about it, but I think the the um, the, the traction that it got because yeah. obviously the Huffington Post is is really well known. And from then on, I just got interview after interview after interview after you know, like everyone wanted to talk about it. So that was a real positive. And I just kind of, because as you can tell, I like talking and I like sharing my story and I have no filter and I'm very honest. And I think that was, that was an attraction for a lot of people. And I was like, you know what? Okay. The acting is great. Um, This is great. However, I feel like my calling is absolutely sharing my experience and sharing my truth. And I suppose that is how I got into you know, um, doing my, uh, you know, things like 
um, uh, interview more interviews and keynote addresses and presentations and now and now that's led into consultancy work and advising people on on disability um so yeah I mean so I, I really put a lot of my energies into that I still do um presenting I really like presenting I have a production company as well born this way media so I do a lot of behind the scenes things but I think where my heart really lies and I suppose because it's it's still a form of teaching you know I, like, yeah. I did a degree in teaching so so I kind of I feel like I've gone like full circle but in a nice way in an organic way and in a way that I have um, much more respect than I did in a classroom yeah and I think what you say is, is so true is that until someone who is disabled writes about the disabled experience mm. nobody's ever going to understand it and in, and in a way that's accessible for everyone not just accessible for the disabled community yeah. because sometimes there are people who are fantastic writers and they're fantastic mm. creatives but their content or, or what they're trying to say can only really resonate with the disabled community. There's, there's no real like, and I don't want to say buy-in, but buy-in is the right yeah. term for anybody outside of that community yeah. to necessarily understand that experience. So if yeah. you to be able to write about that, especially like you're so bang on when you say the Huffington Post is really, really well known to have yeah. that then out there is incredible because I've read that article and like I understood every single thing that you said and it was so yeah. accessible for me and then I made my friends who are not disabled read it and they were like oh my god yeah. like I, 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 I never think it. about that kind of thing I don't understand that type of thing but I'm so glad that someone was able to write about it in such an accessible way and I think like you talk about accessibility and it's really funny so let's talk about my book because obviously that's why we're here you know please please let's talk about it yeah it's called it's called you are the best thing since sliced bread because I want everyone to believe a little bit more in themselves that's not to say that we all like turn into these you know lovely glittered unicorns and on cloud nines all the time and feel wonderful all the time it's not about that but it's just as I said earlier even in my darkest hours, I allow myself to, to grieve. I allow myself to feel shitty. I allow myself to feel like a victim. I allow myself to go through all the emotions that a woman, a disabled woman, a working class, a creative person, all the highs and lows. But there comes a point where I go, Sam, right, snap out of it. Like I did with the Huffington Post article, yeah. like I've done with many, many times. You know, it's not about masking it's not about masking. It's not about saying that life can't be difficult and it can be challenging. And sometimes you want to give up, but it's about being mindful and drawing yourself back in and going, right, enough is enough. Crack on. And I think, you know, if you can say to yourself in those moments, like a bit like a mantra, you know, you are the best thing since sliced bread freaking get on with it now. Yeah. You know, I think that is really, really powerful. So the book, the book came about, um, it came, so, I worked with Fern Cotton. Um, we all, so Fern, Fern is a very well-known um, TV presenter. Very, very strange because we are similar-ish ages. And I used to watch her because she's been, I think, a presenter since she was like 14 years old or something ridiculous like that. And I used to watch her on TV all the time. So it's very bizarre, like, being, like, bit, like you know, really good mates with her now, <laughs> working with her on a book. Um, but I, I, before the pandemic, I worked with her on Happy Place Festival. She has a holistic well-being festival. And um, because of COVID, obviously, we didn't get to do that in person. And we stayed in touch. And she was like, 
you know, I really like who you are. And then she gave me an opportunity because her brand, Happy Place, every year they're going to be doing, I think it's called an imprint. And do you know how I remember that? I remember that from Twilight. I was literally about Um, to say in my head, I I got an image of Twilight. (laughs) You know what? Because, Because for all the press that I'm doing at the moment, I kept forgetting the word imprint. And I was like, she's doing a labyrinth, a libris, a libris. And I was like, no, we need to like remember the word imprint. So yeah, she's doing it, she's doing a book imprint, which basically is that you know, um, she she has her own books herself, and those books uh-huh. are public published by Ebury, which is part of Penguin, which is yeah. obviously amazing. Impressive. But she's picking four, she's picking four books a year to basically give her stamp of approval on. Uh-huh. Um, and she was she basically, yeah, she basically messaged me and went, do you want to write a book? And I was like, yeah, all right. And then I was uh-huh. like, shit, now I need to write a book. <laughs> yeah, so I wrote a, wrote a book. Um, the book essentially is, it's a bit of a memoir. I, I use that term loosely because I recognise I'm only 36 years old. And sometimes, yeah. and that sounds a little bit wanky, saying that you've written a memoir when like, you know, you're, yeah. you're still a baby. But it is a bit of a memoir because it's it's poignant, moments milestones in my life the good and the bad um so I talk about um my spinal operation I talk about moving to London I talk about um the passing of my father when I was very young so there's like like moments where you think wow that was like that was like crossroad moments and that was so significant and just kind of how what I learned from that moment and you know what I'm not a life coach, but I wanted to kind of give my advice. And I think it was interesting because, you know, you'll know it as well. I I talk a lot about inspiration porn and like, you know, constantly, you know, I know you're so inspirational. And I'm like, okay, then if you find me inspirational, I want you to know more about my life. Because actually, you know, um, I I want I want to unpack what you what elements of you do you find inspirational? Because actually what you'll find is from reading this, I am pretty much an average person like everybody else. All the things I experience. I talk about sexual assault. I talk about, you know, rejection. I talk about all these things. and I'm like, do you know what? You're probably whoever you are, irrespective of disability. If you read this book, something will resonate with you. Yeah. So I want you to I want you to stop objectifying me, stop objectifying other disabled people. But also, you know, I talk a lot about disability. And I think that was something that I was very, very mindful of. And it's really funny because when I told a few people that this book was gonna happen, yeah. probably shouldn't have because I was technically I technically had a you know, like a gag order, not to say anything. But you know what it's like. Yeah. You get a bit drunk and then you start telling people. You get really you? excited about um, your own ideas. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like literally going on the street, going, "Hey, I'm writing a book." Hey, stranger. <laughs> um, literally, have done that when I've been drunk. Um, well, I, you know, a couple of people. So, a lot of disabled people said to me, "Uh, oh, I hope it's not going to be an inspirational book, like an inspiration porn book." And I was like, "Hmm." Well, I hope not either, but also I do want people to feel inspired and motivated. Yeah, exactly. And then and then a lot of and then a lot of non-disabled people said to me, but don't make it all about disability. It's such Isn't a fine, fine line. It's such and it's such a double-edged sword as well. Because the whole like disability inspiration, that kind of thing, there is a level of it that is 
it's interesting and it can be inspiring when used in the right way but it's when it's used in the wrong way so I always say that when you're looking at a disabled body if you are inspired by what I can do with my disabled body to make you feel worse about your own then that is wrong that is the wrong way to do it because I was not put on this planet to make you feel bad about your body I was put on the Mm -hmm. planet to do this and like have these conversations but if you're genuinely inspired by like what I can achieve because it's Mm. inspirational not because it's like semi-morbid then that's amazing but I think you know like inspiration can be a really um empty word and like for me I'm like well what have I inspired you to do have I inspired you as a as a woman to become a businesswoman have I inspired you to call out ableism have I inspired you to recognize like my my friend really good friend of mine Susie Kennedy so she's um like the number one Marilyn Monroe um impersonator in the UK and we have a lot of um she is um uh very religious which I love about her she found Jesus later on in her life so we talk a lot about you know God and and religion and and um philosophy and so forth and then she's she's like a sponge like, and when I talk to her I wish all my friends and I wish everyone I interacted with was like her in the sense of she'll ask me questions and she'll even now like on um on her Instagram she's, she'll video stuff like you know if like um drop curbs have been blocked yeah or whatever she'll be like look my friend so you know I haven't asked her to do it and even I'm like yeah. Susie all right freaking hell bloody hell like you know you're more of an activist than I am you know but but that is how I that's what I love about it and even she asked me the other day you know um there was a video inspiration porn video um you know of a gentleman who was a wheelchair user and it was clearly his wedding day and obviously he'd learned to stand and dance with his partner yeah. and um and you know how the story goes like everyone's like oh my god he's so liberated I'm so That's happy for amazing. him and she, you know and she said to me she went can I post this I said well first of all like I'm not I'm not the posting police like you can yeah. post whatever you want she went, but isn't that the inspiration porn what you were talking about I said well yeah there's a level of it I said but let's not detract from the fact that 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 guy might might hate being disabled I mean I'm making a function he might hate it he might hate his wheelchair his journey of disability might not be where you or I are and you know and and he might have acquired a disability and he never expected to be in a wheelchair on his wedding day and all he wants to do is you know dance with his wife I'm not I'm not at all saying that that is wrong like if that's what makes you happy that's your journey that's your lived experience and that is valid the problem with his inspiration porn is we it's so saturated we are so saturated by imagery of disabled people overcoming our our disability you know overcoming it and being like yay you know like yeah you're all Paralympians of course aren't we you know and I think I think there's no balance there's there needs to be balance I I don't mind inspiration porn in that in that in that way you know if that is how you truly feel if you if you you know if you don't feel pride in your disability you know I hope you eventually get to a point where you can but that's fine if you don't but what I'm saying is I also want to see videos of people like me go viral who go I don't care I've never want I've never wanted to work 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 well no walk and I don't care like my sister yeah. my mum said to me because I said to her there's no reason why I shouldn't as a toddler have tried to like get up and walk like yeah. there was you know like have that 
And I said to Rob, I was like, did I, did I ever I like, you know, make an effort? She went, no, not at all. She went, you did not, not make any, any effort whatsoever to get up. And I was like, see, I just knew, I knew it was meant. I was happy. Yeah. It was, yeah, I was happy. I mean, I didn't, I knew that walking wasn't for me. Yeah. So I think, I think that with everything in life, we need to have a balance and, the problem is with disability is that, you know, disability looks and feels so different for so many people. Yeah. And, um, you know, like one in five of us has some sort of uh, disability or chronic condition. And um, that is a, a gigantic undertaking to perhaps represent that. And I understand why a lot of brands and companies and organizations fail so much. Yeah. because you know they aren't engaging with with the community at large and when they are engaging they are cherry picking um they're yes. perhaps looking they're perhaps looking um and I say this and I say this as a white blonde hair blue-eyed disabled woman yeah. but I have a severe disability I'm also working class you know so I've got yeah. you know a bit of intersectionality there like I've got many bar but I am very well that aesthetically you know, um, I fit again a norm, a, a, a norm. Yeah. Even though, in comparison to other disabled people who are also blonde hair, blue eyes, I don't, you know, tick that box. So there's a lot of there's a lot of politics going on there, and I'm very much about. And I said I did a training session yesterday, and I and I for commissioners, and I I challenged them. I said, where you know, where's the diversity within disability yeah. on our screens? Yeah. Um, you know, um, I I. I, I hear more stories about people who have acquired a disability. Again, every time I, when I talk about this, I'm not saying who's right or wrong or who's superior, who's not. What I'm saying is there needs to be a balance, you know, and, you know, where are my um, trans disabled people? Where are my gay disabled people? Yeah. Where are my friends who, where are my friends who have got feeding tubes or who are nonverbal? Like, where are they represented? exactly and it's so interesting like my like my background is sports and sporting and what you were saying about Paralympics is so true is that for me and like I've said this before I'll say it again going to Paralympics would have been my absolute nightmare I would not have enjoyed it it's not something that I would ever have wanted to go after but there tends to be very much in the sporting world especially as a disabled like athlete as such is that it's either Paralympics or pity and there is absolutely no in between there is not a place for you to exist outside those two realms you can't Mm -hmm. just be like and and I don't say fit as in like aesthetically pleasing I mean fit as in like Mm -hmm. I have really high fitness levels you can't just be like a fit disabled woman and Mm -hmm. not have like the Paralympics as your main goal and like that it's so true that they're there within disability there needs to be so much more representation because disability is very much an umbrella term because there's yeah. so much else that goes into it that you know not everybody understands absolutely and I you know and I'm also very very mindful that you know I don't want to be a poster child for what disability should be yes. ultimately and, and again I've written about it in my book like the driving force behind my career and the want to succeed because my dad died he was non-disabled he died when he was 38 years old you know he dropped out dead and that is that is the overriding reason why I am pushing myself because I want to I want to honor his short life you know so that is my driving force because to be quite honest with you um and this 
might sound paradoxical because I am such a chatty person. To me, happiness is being in my own company with animals. My dad was an animal lover and like pottering around. Like I like being a host. I like having people over where I can make some dinner. Like literally, I am craving that lifestyle. This go, 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 ever like going. I am good at it, but it doesn't make me necessarily happy. It's a skill. And I've been given a skill from the universe, from above, from God, whoever you want to yeah. you know kind of say that came from you know and I and I and I think that I I should use the skills that we are given so that's why I do push myself and that's why I do push myself to be a, a you know hopefully a role model but I am very very conscious that I don't want to be the poster child the benchmark for other disabled people like I get annoyed when I am asked why I'm not a Paralympian or why I haven't you know learned to walk I also don't want other disabled people to feel pressurized by seeing me because people go why aren't you like there why aren't you like Samantha yes Yes. and I absolutely like everything you're saying like resonates in such a deep like a deep deep place for me because I always think for me it's always about the we and not the me so like I love Mm. being able to provide a platform for different types of disabilities to come on chat speak about their own experiences because everybody's is so completely different and I love that that's the same for you is that you don't want to be that poster child because I don't either, but I want to be able to create a space where people can talk about yeah. it openly and, and have these discussions that sometimes can be quite uncomfortable to have. And especially mm-hmm. because society for X amount of years has not necessarily welcomed these types of conversations mm-hmm. and having them almost feels like, you know, a little bit revolutionary and a little yeah. bit rebellious. And I love having that, being able to create that space for people. Yeah. I think, I think it's, it all comes down to othering disabled people yeah. in the sense that we don't, we see us as the disabled. And what, you know, if you look at any other demographic in life, you've got people who are driven, driven by money, driven by success, driven by power. And then you've got other people that are quite happy either doing nothing. And that, again, no judgment here. Um, quite happy, you know, having a family of six children because they want to be a, a mother and that's their life goal. You know, you've got some people who are quite happy doing the bare minimum and, you know, as we say up north, living for the weekend. And that's yeah. there, that's there. And so why do you expect disabled people to be any different? Yeah. I am just, you know, you and I seem just like very driven individuals, you know, and that that's fine. But it doesn't mean that we then have to be, you know, the... the Compartmentalised the, elsewhere because... Yeah, the, you know, the, the poster person for disability where every other disabled person need to strive for you know because that's fine and and it's really really odd because I'm I'm going to be moving back to Lancashire in the next maybe 18 months yeah um, I'm going to take over the family home I'm going to renovate a bungalow and I'm going to have a, a much quieter life and it's really funny because when I tell people that they don't believe me they don't believe that that would make me happy and it's like yeah. isn't it really funny that what I have projected and what my my um this world I've created in London and my career, what that is projected onto other people. And, you know, again, I write about it in the book. A lot of that came from, first of all, wanting to prove society wrong, which yeah. was pointless. It didn't make me happy, you know. Um, and now I'm like, I'm at a point in my life where I just want to start living for me. Yeah. And living for me is literally, like, I love in, I love interior design. I just bought some napkin, napkin, napkin holders, you know, ring holders. Oh, like the ring holders, right? yeah, yeah. I love that. Bought some, bought, bought some that were made uh, out of, like, ma- uh, macro, macaron, macro, I'm just never Macrame. Like, like, yeah, macrame. <laughs> and literally, that's the most exciting thing ever. 
Like literally, um, the fact that there's an Aldi just opened round the corner from me is literally like Dangerous. one of the most. And believe me, at the moment, I'm doing some exciting stuff. But honestly, <laughs> I'm like, I was counting down the days until Aldi was going to open. You think I'm joking? You ask any of my closest friends, you ask any of my closest friends what has been the highlight of the past month. Bearing in mind I've got a book coming out, it is Aldi opening. No joke. I love that so much. Honestly, I'm not being comedic. I'm not being funny. I'm not being like, you know, genuine. Yeah. And so with everything that you've been through, and obviously you speak a lot in your book about what like you've been through, the ups and downs, all of that kind of stuff. Would you say that you found some form of positive attribute from the dark places that you've been in about yourself? Because yeah. I always find it's so hard to pick a positive attribute out of yourself, right? And especially as like disabled people, disabled women, disabled men, it can almost be a little bit harder because you've really yeah. got to dig deep to find that positive yeah. attribute. And do you, have you found that for yourself? Yeah, and I think that's what the book is about. Like, you know, each chapter is challenging. Um, like, Every, like it's really funny because I feel like I'm like the, the front is like such a joyous like um print and it's like even inside look at look inside look inside look how beautiful oh, it's, like, I love animal that print. So much. and even like honestly like even if you just had it like this oh it's so like, amazing oh I love it so um so it's really funny because um I kind of think that I've like lured you in with a sen- false sense of security because you're gonna probably think it's like such an uplifting like really like la 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 book and it's and it's and and there are moments of that because obviously it's that whole yeah this has happened but do you know what I got myself together and I pulled through it, sometimes it took years sometimes it took days sometimes it took months but um but it's absolutely a book about that it's taking moments and I think, you know, I touched upon it earlier. I live I live very much for my father. I'm 36 now. And yeah. to think that in two years' time, I would die um, is terrifying. Is yeah. you know, it, it's un, unimaginable. Mm-hmm. And and I think, do you know what? If I, I need to be strong because, that, you know, I owe it. I owe it to him and his legacy. Yeah. And um, and I think that's you know wherever you find your strength, whatever that looks like, I think you need to grab it by the by the horns and like you know kind right. of don't let that go. And and remember and be reflective of those times. And I think what's nice about this book, it was an opportunity for me to reflect. Um, yeah. It was hard. I felt like I needed counselling after writing it because there was moments where I was like, wow, that was didn't realise I thought that way. It felt that way about that. And I like unlocked some memories yeah. when I was writing. Um, I unlocked some memories. I was like, geez, wow, I suppressed that one, like, you know, far. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, it's been, and I've just, you know, recorded an audio book as well. So that was a challenge, even like reading that back out loud. Yeah. If you, so if anyone, um, I wanted to make it obviously accessible to everyone. So if you do get an audio copy, I apologize in advance because reading an audiobook is so hard so hard it was so enjoyable but so hard and there'll be moments where I actually was crying in the studio and I had and you don't have that much time so you've got to like compose yourself so I apologize if I if I sound literally like I've been taking some sort of speed or whatever because I was just like on such a, an, an, just had to get an, a, a roll, yeah roller coaster of emotions reading this thing um but yeah, I, I again, it's it's a very honest book. Yeah. Is, is it the best book in the world? Is it the most 
is it the most you know kind of um highbrow you know fluffy book in the world no not at all i wanted to make it accessible everyone who's read it says that they it just sounds like us having a conversation yeah. i you know i didn't i didn't want it to alienate people you know it, it's sometimes like when i was rereading it i was like oh samantha like that was just sloppy sentence but i'm just like i don't care i don't care because you know what it's my truth it's my journey um there's got to be there's got to be bits in it where you think oh you know you know hmm, samantha did we really need to know that about you but yeah they're in there <laughs> so yeah i am um, like i said it's um it's me it's me in a book even like everything down to the cover and everything and also can i top tip for you um the the cover here yeah. um i work with a designer nick and joe they are on instagram and uh, nick and lou sorry nick and i nic and lou um and they do all sorts of uh, book covers but yeah. it was like a process we worked together and so weird so they came back so the original cover it was beautiful but i was like no it needs more spunk it needs more it needs more samantha right yeah. it just needs more spunk and then, um, so when they came back and they they did the leopard print and obviously the, the nod to Kintsugi, yeah. um, I, I write a little bit about, because each chapter starts off with a quote, um, to, to, to quote like to face the chapter. like a reference, yeah, um, that reflects the, the chapter. So I talk a bit about Kintsugi. Anyway, and then randomly, can you see these trousers that I've got on the picture? Yeah. Matches this, right? I found them at the back of my wardrobe. Can you believe it that? It was my And these trousers, these trousers, I've never worn them. I got them altered. Uh, I've got one leg longer than the other. So I got them altered and I've never, ever worn them. And you cannot believe how many times I found them and nearly threw them in the bin because I was like, I'm just not going to wear them. I'm just not going to wear them. And for whatever reason, that's I on. held on to them. And look, that's so cool, no? I think that's, that's like, that's a big sign from the universe that you're on the right yeah. track. Like such yeah. a big sign. Such a big sign. I've never told anyone that, so that's an exclusive for you. <laughs> so I do have a question that I ask everyone. And yes. people tend to answer both. And I always ask, do you have a piece of advice for either your younger self or yeah. a younger person with the same disability as you? Yeah, and I, weirdly, like um, one of my chapters in the book is, is um, Be Your Own Muse yeah and um and I like that because probably similar to you I didn't have many disabled role models no grown no. up and 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 also I I always had this innate sense of worth I think we have a tendency as a society nowadays particularly with this uh, the arrival of social media and how much time we kind of spend looking at other people's lives yeah. um I think it's I think it's fine that we can find role models in other people and we can feel inspired by other people. But actually, the most beneficial thing is actually to find that inner connection with yourself. You know, um, I think I'm quoted in the book saying, you know, we come to this world alone and we leave this world alone. And, and, you know, on the surface, that might sound really sad and like, oh, God, that's miserable. But actually, it's quite beautiful if you break that apart, yeah. because actually, you know, getting to know yourself. So before we came, um, before we came live on 
I was going to say live on air. We were speaking about, um, I, so I came really, uh, so I had everything open, laptop, and I'd like disappeared because I was trying on, on a dress. I couldn't, re- I opened the packaging waiting for you. And I was like, I really want to try it on. I really want to try it on. So we were having a discussion about how we, you know, how clothes fit us. Yeah. And, you know, that can be problematic. But, I, you know, for me, having a connection with my body, not only on a medical level, but also on a, you know, kind of structural level, like I know... Yeah. I can look at a garment of clothing uh, and I go, that just won't fit because I know it won't fit. And that's because I have such a connection with my body. So I think advice I would give to other people with, you know, same condition or anyone really um, is, is, you know, connect with yourself a little bit. Um, you know, like your uniqueness is beautiful and that should be celebrated. And I think we set ourselves up for failure if we, if we constantly look to up, turn to other people for advice, this, that, and the other. Because what I found as well, even just talking about friendships, I have a tendency to put my friends on a pedestal. So I straight away, I put them really high up. And then if for whatever reason they fall from that pedestal, I get really, really annoyed. And I'm like, how dare you? You've let me down. You know, uh-huh. actually what I should be doing is, you know, they never asked to be on that pedestal. You know, and I think this goes for when we look at celebrities or when we look at people in the public eye, you know, yeah. um, yeah, no one, they didn't really ask to be seen in such a uh, holy light, if that makes yeah, sense. Like does, they're human beings. So I think, so I think, you know, working on ourselves and believing in ourselves is the, is the best thing anyone can do. And then once you've, once you've got to a place where you're like, you know what, I'm pretty all right. I am the best thing since sliced bread. Um, then you can be like, right, who else inspires me? Yeah. Who else is going to give me that motivation when someday I feel a bit crappy? And I think that is where we need to be. Yeah. And I love that, you know, a lot of, a lot of people won't necessarily understand that you need to develop like a real level of self-love before you look externally for that inspiration because mm-hmm. ultimately and I'm in big agreement with what you say I always say you've got to put number one first and you are number yes. one because if you don't put number one first you're putting everybody else before you it's like you know when say the it goes, you know you want to say it I really can you know I say you- it like yeah you've got, you've, you've got to believe that you are the best thing since sliced bread because if you don't oh yeah baby how are you going to help anybody else and it's like you know yeah. when they say when the plane goes down you put on your own oxygen mask Absolutely. don't help anybody else until you've got that oxygen mask on because you can't and it's so so bang on and I love that that's like in, that's all encapsulated in your book and I'm so excited to read it oh so you're excited I'm scared do you know what I am I am a bit scared um because again I I go back to that place of you know people pleaser and I want to I want to do I want to do everyone I want to do everyone justice but then I need to check in with myself and be like am I proud of what I've done yes yeah then ultimately that's fine ultimately you know I if I see it in in a charity shop if I see a load of my books in the next year in a charity shop uh you know I'm not gonna break down in tears I'm gonna be like that's fine because I'm still proud of my accomplishment yeah and like you know you smashed it like you've done it you've written a book who else can say no I know do you know what isn't it crazy and uh, I I wasn't very good at spelling at school and um, that was definitely something that I was always on my report cards. Like, you know, um, and I'm like, yeah, screw you. I've read a book now. <laughs> I've done it. 
So one question that I ask everyone as well, and I always preface this by saying that for me, an annoying question that I receive quite a lot is, did a shark bite your arm off or what happened? Oh, okay. So do you have any... like? Can we talk about sharks? Because I've got trigger, I've got shark phobia triggering no I'm joking well no I'm not no I'm not not joking but yeah I'm joking um so do you have like a particular question that you find most intrusive like from from random people I think I've had a lot like as you can imagine like the the the, I've had in the past oh it's great that it's great that you dress well I've had that um and like the 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 normal you know the normal kind of microaggression I think you know the lot of a lot of this is why I'm really struggle with online dating because I I feel like I'm not there to educate people and I get a lot of like what you can move your legs then you know it's like oh my god stop like like yeah um and and then and then and the thing is people like guys online then get upset with me because because they my I try I, I spend all my life educating people I actually don't want that in dating I know I'm not very proactive when I'm dating I'm really really rubbish I'm not gonna lie and it's something that I am working on but it's draining I I think I had a weird conversation with someone the other day when I was just out for a drink with friends like people start randomly talking to me and that's another thing when they spot you off the telly they're like oh you know and then they think that they can just talk to you which is fine because I don't uh, in moderation I don't mind but he was I was in my power wheelchair and my power wheelchair is like really, it's got lots of like buttons on and all sorts yeah. of things. And um, and like him being like a typical geezer was like, what does that do? What does that do? And, you know, like asking about the chair. And then he was like, does it go upstairs? You know, like cause some chairs, like, you know, they're like, weird, like them ones. And I went, no. And he was like, well, why didn't you go for that? And I said, why do I have to change myself to fit into a world, right? Why? Why can't the world bend for me? Yeah. And I think that was that was a really interesting one. Obviously, like that's like links in with social model of disability. But it's yeah. really funny how I even dated a guy. Um, he had an invisible disability, and he was obsessed with me getting one of them, them like robots, you know, like to walk them. Then I was like, oh, I'm yeah, three yeah. foot nine. I was like, it just wouldn't work for me. I've had a spinal fusion. I can't straighten up even if I wanted to. And like again, like what is your session like you know I think it was just because he had to push my you know push my wheelchair around but even like the other day I I met up with a friend that I've not seen in a very long time and I came out in my power chair because I've not had it that long and he was like oh this is new oh great does that mean I don't need to push you anymore you know and I was like and you know they say people say it in a jokey way but straight away I'm like so basically all the times that you had to push me around because I struggled you weren't very, you know, like, does that mean you were, saw it as a burden? Did that mean yeah. you, you know? So it, so I think it's hard not to internalise some of these comments. Yeah. But I, I find it hard not to believe that they aren't, you know, when, you know when someone says, a, like, says says something quite nasty and they go, joking, it's like, you're not fucking joking. You're never joking. You are never joking. You just didn't be, that was based That was based in some degree of truth. Yeah. And I think... And I think interactions from non-disabled people or disabled people, even if they say it in a jokey way, even if they're a really good friend, there's an element of truth. And I think that can chip away at you, you know. Um, 
of course it does because I'm, I've brought it up now with you today yeah. you know like like that that actually hurt my feelings because now all of a sudden I'm thinking to so all those times that we went out and it was already hard enough for me to ask for help yeah to push my wheelchair and you know, you know it's fine, like an it's fine. extra element on top of it yeah you know how you're going to think about it and and, and, I, and I think sometimes you know it can make it can make you withdraw it has at times made me withdraw from people you know yeah. because I'm like what do you you know what do you see do you I mean even with the reason why I didn't have a power wheelchair for so long was because I had a bad experience at high school I had one and people overnight treated me differently and and I think and it's a very gray area because I wrote about this um and I got um I got some feedback constructive feedback from some disabled people going you know we shouldn't we shouldn't say which chairs because I basically said like in some circumstances I get treated differently in my manual to when I'm in a power chair and I think there's this hierarchy there's this hierarchy but it is it's true like there is a hierarchy of you know the mobility aids disabled people use you know you're not disabled enough or you're too disabled or x y and z but I just wanted to highlight that you know in certain situations I'm excluded from some places in my manual than I am with my power you know Exactly. And but one of the reasons why one of the reasons why I didn't have a power chair was was that stigma and I and I, I didn't want that and it used to really annoy me when to say non-disabled people used to go why aren't why aren't you still getting a power chair why are you still not getting because your life would just all of a sudden be miraculously free and you'd be so independent and I'm like doesn't work like that yeah it's not how it doesn't works. work like that so I was I used to be really stubborn for a very long time I used to be like, I'm not getting one because I don't, <laughs> I don't want people to be like, oh, see, you should have got that ages ago. Now I don't need to push you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's so interesting what you say about like fitting in society. And I was just flicking at my phone there because I literally sent this text yesterday at six o'clock because I was talking to a friend about a prosthetic. Okay. And I was just saying, what's, what is the point? This is, this is literally verbatim what I said. What is the point? And what's it for? A few fingers. I'm not desperate enough to fit into society to go and get myself as prosthetic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's so true. Like I, I like, you know, disabled people do not need to put themselves into an uncomfortable situation for them to fit into society. And that's yeah. exactly what you were saying with your chair. Just there. You don't need to put yourself into a situation that society mm-hmm. will deem you as more like accepted because you can move about more, yeah. which will make you feel more awkward. You don't need to do it to yourself. And it, and it's, and it's a, a weird one because there was a time before I became more active in, in kind of disability awareness and and, and, and and that world, you know, I would mould myself. And if I, you know, if I was at a nightclub and there was no lift, like I'd get dangerously people to carry me up the stairs. And I know that some disabled people still do that. And some disabled people will go, don't be so stubborn. Don't be, you know, you're basically, what's that expression? You're spiting your nose. Oh, I'm like really you're spiting your nose despite your face. You're cutting your nose off despite yeah. your face. Yeah, yeah. So I know that there's that argument as well. And actually, yeah, do you know what? Before I before I became an activist and before I was like, no, this is not great. This is discrimination. In many ways, my life was easier because if I couldn't go somewhere, I would just go, okay, I'll go somewhere else. And now I'm like, why the fuck can't I get into your building? Rah! Rage! You know? And 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 it and it's and it's it's a strange one. Sorry for swearing, but it's a strange one. one because then I Part of me, I go, is what I'm doing fighting for a just equal world? 
am I getting anywhere? Am I, you know, making a change? Yeah. Am I am I actually spiting, cutting off my nose to spite my face? Yeah. You know, um, I, uh, you know, I saw a post from another well-known um, presenter who's a wheelchair user, and they were like did a post like on on set being carried backwards down um, some narrow stairs, and I challenged her. I actually had a conversation, and I said. I'm not too sure how I felt about that because like, should we be saying that this is okay? Because yeah. my job, when I, when I talk to, when I talk to um, commissioners, when I talk to people in television, yeah. you know, I say to them, that's not good. You need to find a different venue. Yeah. You need to, you know, not expect disabled people because actually I wouldn't be able to do that. Some of my other friends who physically can't be lifted wouldn't be able to do that. So to then, are you then isolating them from job opportunities because you're not standing your ground and going, no, I don't, I don't. Because I know I speak my truth a lot more now and it doesn't always go down well in TV. Yeah. It doesn't go down well. And then you, and then I sit there at night thinking, oh, they're not going to ask me back because I was like, no. It's if almost you like you become unpalatable because you've, you've made your standpoint. Yeah. Again, everything I say, this is not to criticize, this is just my observation. Yeah. And, you know, people can agree and disagree with everything I'm saying, but this is just my observation, you know, uh, my interactions with people. So I don't, I don't know. I th- you know, my heart of hearts knows the way I am now is, is, is for the greater good and, you know, for the greater change. But then there are moments where I'm like, oh, I just want an easy life. Yeah. And it's understandable. <laughs> I have got one final question for you, and it's my favorite question of the whole podcast. Okay. And that is Samantha, can you say that you are disabled and proud? Oh god, yeah, absolutely. And this is one of the first things on my on all my training. Um, when I introduce myself, I've got all it's I, I look really egotistical and narcissistic because I'm like, hi, I'm Sam Red, I'm an actress, broadcaster, blah blah blah, blah blah blah, blah blah blah, blah blah blah, blah. And then I go, and of course a proud disabled woman <laughs> I love that so much I do thank you so much for coming on today and talking thank you. About work. and like I have loved this conversation because I've learned so much about what goes on kind of like behind the scenes as you, as you know we're talking about tv and we're talking about like yeah. you know writing books and I've, I've genuinely loved listening to what you've had to say and oh thank you thank so you much for giving up your time to, to come and chat Absolutely. to me today Yes, so the book is out tomorrow on the 21st of July. You are the best thing since sliced bread. You can get it from all good book retailers, so online um, uh, or by Amazon and so forth. Um, I think that Amazon does ship out to um, some European countries, and I think my friend got it shipped to um, Mexico. You just had to pay for more PMP. I am working, well, I've done an audio book. It is also available, I believe, on Kindle. Um, and I am working on how people can get signed copies because um, I've had quite a lot of people ask that. So I am working on that as well. So bear with me, but I hope you all enjoy it. Um, again, it's my it's my unapologetic truth. So yes, please buy it. <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today. I can't wait to give it a read. I'm so excited. And oh, I'm so excited to see where it thank goes. You. But thank you so much Thanks for, for having me. Bye. Thanks, babe.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It really helps us to reach more and more people each week. Plus, if you've got a particular highlight, then I'd absolutely love to hear it. Tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast.